Welcome back to another episode of Finances. Today you have on the podcast Mike Callahan and George Leakakis, both financial advisors and both CPAs. Uh, and you also, as always, have me. Today we are going to be talking about RSUs and options, specifically employee options. A lot of our clients, especially younger clients who are in these more startup fintech pharma industries are seeing a lot of these come across the table. So we want to do a quick podcast to kind of highlight some of the important points about them and and kind of what you have to look out for when it comes to actually exercising them and what it means for your taxes, et cetera. And I think, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about or why we wanted to talk about it is you have these employee benefits, right? So RSUs are restricted stock units. It's essentially the company gives you free stock, right? Sounds good. Stock options, kind of the same idea. There's just a little more of a decision to it. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, the, the, the primary reason we wanted to kind of talk about it a bit is because of the complexity of, of how they work and the, t- the taxes and the fact that there are taxes, we've actually seen people get to the point where they don't, e- they don't even want them, you know, because they see it as like this tax burden that they, they want to just do without. And really, no matter what the taxes are, it's a benefit to you. You know, they're, they're giving you free money, essentially. So right. you should always want these benefits, regardless of what the taxes are. Even so, if your tax you know, rate is 99%, it's still a benefit right. to you. you still as get long as your tax rate is not over 100%, <laughs> it, you are making out in the deal, even though on your tax return, it might seem like you're not. Exactly. So, you know, I, the, the key to the whole thing is just understanding how they work and kind of being prepared for it and, and that kind of thing. So... I guess, as Matt said, we'll we'll kind of start with restricted stock units. They're a little more straightforward. The basics are, let's say you work for a you know publicly traded company. They essentially give you a chunk of stock, right? the The catch is most of the time you'll get that stock over a period of time, which is called vesting. So they'll give you say a thousand shares. They'll say we'll give you a thousand shares over the next five years. You'll kind of vest into two hundred shares a year. So every year you'll get 200 of those shares and you can decide whether to hang on to it or whether to sell it. The catch is when that 200 shares comes to you, it's taxable and it's taxable as wages. So it's not something where you got to, you know, put it on your tax return or something like that. Your employer is just going to put it right into your W-2 and call it wages and you're going to get taxed on it. The way it typically works is when that happens, a lot of times they'll just sell a, a few of the shares that you got to cover the tax so that you know they can withhold the tax for you and you don't get, get hit with it later. There is kind of an issue with that tax withholding a lot of times, and, and maybe George can touch on it because I know he's seen this a few times with clients. Withholdings for RSUs and, and options tend to kind of go off the rails because they don't follow the regular withholding schedule, right? Yeah, so typically, kind of like Mike said, or Matt, I'm not sure who mentioned it. You know, they have. Are you paying attention, packages. George? <laughs> <laughs> they have these benefit packages, and it's usually for higher earners. So when they grant you with the with these restricted stock units, it's just an add-on to your your salary, which could potentially be six figures, which you know puts you in a higher tax bracket. And what we've seen is a lot of these these companies only withhold about 22 to 25 percent. And, and when you're when you're in the larger tax brackets, that almost definitely kind of uh, sets you up with a tax liability. So if you're not aware of that situation, you might have a surprise come April of the following year. Right. And that's kind of what we were talking about, right? Is that 
you know, you get these benefits and you think it's great. And then, you know, the tax bill comes and suddenly you don't like it anymore. And kind of understanding that up front is key, right? Is like George said, you get the RSU grant, they'll withhold it, say 22, 25%, but you might owe 30% in tax. So the difference is going to get tacked onto what you owe next April. The kind of way around that is knowing it's going to happen, right? So if you get RSU grants, just understand or talk to us or talk to whoever your CPA is, talk to them about what the impact's going to be so that you can either set that money aside and kind of know it's coming or, or you know, increase your withholding on your other income or whatever it is to kind of take care of Make estimated payments, time. perhaps. Or estimated payments, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, but somehow be prepared for it for next year so that you're not terribly surprised when the when the bill comes in. Right. So, okay, so we we established that it's it's essentially taxed as ordinary income. It, it shows up as wages on your W-2. So now you have these uh, stock units, and I guess as they vest, they don't really, they become unrestricted, right? So you, you have these sitting in your account now, and how do we determine cost basis on that? So, you know, your, your cost basis is essentially the amount that you paid tax on. Right. So whatever amount was included in your wages is now your your cost basis to, to figure out what the taxable gain is from there. Right. Because, you know, the the second part of the decision you have to make or the only main part of the decision you have to make is once you get these shares, what do you do with them? Right. Your options are sell it right away and take the cash and do something else with it or hang on to the shares and hope that the, the company does well and the price goes up. So, you know, Matt's point is essentially if you hold them for, say, another year and the price continues to go up, eventually you're going to pay tax on the gain between the day you were granted them and the day you sold them. And calculating that gain is based on what you sell it for minus that kind of cost basis amount that is whatever was included in your wages when you got the, the shares. Right. So theoretically, if you basically sell them the same day <laughs> that that you, you were granted those those options, I mean, you're, you're going to have you're going to have no tax implication, but a couple of dollars based on if there was a, a swing in the market on that day or that stock. Well, right. So essentially, if it, like George said, the day they vest, if if you immediately sell them to market, you should essentially have no capital gains tax on that. That tends to differ and maybe is a little bit of a good segue into options. The other thing is maybe we'll circle back at the end of what our recommendations or our opinions are about what you should do regarding keeping these in your portfolio or not. Definitely. Yeah. So options are slightly different, right? So we talked about the RSUs are essentially the company just gives you shares of the of the stock. And as soon as they do, it's taxable, right? You don't really have any choice in the matter. That, that's just kind of how it works. Stock options are a little different in that the company is essentially giving you the option to buy shares in the company. So when you get the options, there's no taxable event, right? It's not wages. It's not, you don't get taxed on it at all. You don't get taxed until you decide to exercise the option. And so you kind of have a choice of when you get the income with an option. And the difference is essentially an option that gives you the right to buy the stock at a certain price. Before we go any further with this, people tend to confuse and, and not realize what the difference between the actual stock and an option is. But essentially, options are contracts. So in essence, the, the company, it's you know they, they don't really do it pen and paper anymore. It's all electronic, but they're giving you a contract and you can either commit to the contract and buy the stock from them, or you can just essentially throw it in the trash and walk away from it. So that, you know, 
for people that didn't really understand what options are, that's the long and short of it. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So instead of giving you the stock outright, they're essentially giving you an opportunity to buy the stock if you'd like for a certain price. So, you know, essentially when you get an option, there's the price at which you can buy the stock. So let's say the company gives you options at $10. So you can buy the stock at $10, regardless of what the stock is actually trading at. So if the price is, price of the stock goes up to 100, you still have the ability to exercise that option and buy it for 10. So that's kind of the difference between RSUs and options. RSUs, they give you the stock just outright. The options, you kind of have to make a decision on when you want to exercise that option. When you do that, the tax implications are that essentially the difference between the price you can buy it at and the market price. So in my example, that the difference between the $10 you can buy it at and the $100 it's trading for, that $90 difference, that amount goes into your wages as compensation. So we talked about with the RSUs, they give it to you, the, the, amount, the value of the stock goes into your, into your pay. With an option, that happens, but when you exercise it, so you can choose when that happens, and it's the difference between the price they'll let you buy it at and the market price. And that $90, goes into your wages. like you said, is, goes into your wages and is taxed at ordinary income rates. There's no, ordinary income there's rates. no tax yep. preference on it. Exactly. So it's yep. just like getting paid any other wages. Which they also under withhold on that, on the, the option. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> yeah, same, same idea. Typically, they'll sell some of the stock for you once you exercise the option in order to cover the taxes. But to George's point, they typically under withhold on that. So, you know, again, if you exercise a bunch of options, there may be a tax bill due, you know, next year on, on based on your actual tax rate. You know, and kind of the same idea, right, is once you exercise the option, your choices are hold the stock or sell the stock and use the cash for something else. So they're kind of similar. The biggest difference is, as we said, the RSUs, you just get the stock. The options, you have the choice to buy the stock and can decide when that happens. You have a little more control over when you get that money. And again, with options, once the options are exercised and you have the stock in your account, same thing with capital gains, right? So your cost basis, In going back to Mike's example again, your cost basis would be at the $100, and and then whatever fluctuates after that, that would be your gain loss because you already paid ordinary income tax on the difference between the 10 and the 100, which is 90, and your cost basis is now set at the 100. Yeah. So again, it, you know, same idea. You, you then calculate any gain and loss from the date you exercise it. Like any other stock, if you hold it more than a year, you get long-term capital gain rates, which are more beneficial. If you sell it within that first year, you pay ordinary income rates, which, you know, are, are typically a little higher. So- you know, it's it's all of these things are, are good benefits to get from the company. It really just comes down to kind of talking to us or talking to your advisor about, you know, what your income is, when it makes sense to exercise the options. And then, you know, to Matt's point, what do you want to do with the stock from there? Right. Do you want to hang on to it and build up a position in your company or do you want to sell it and kind of diversify things? Yeah, I mean, um, and, my, you know, and you guys can agree or disagree. My take is, in, in whenever clients come to me with this question, I always tend to to push them more toward selling it off and then diversifying into some other sort of asset, whether it be mutual funds or, or what have you. And, and my rationale for it is if you have a ton of company stock and you work for the company, you're kind of setting yourself up for like double jeopardy, right? If, if something big happens to the company and they either, you know, their their stock plummets or, or they have layoffs and, and these things all tend to go hand in hand, 
you're basically setting yourself up for potentially losing your job and having a huge downturn in your portfolio all at the same time. That's that's my opinion on it. I don't know. Do you guys do you guys have that same train of thought or? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that always makes sense. You know, is one of the things that we do as human beings is we have all these biases, and one of them is we tend to fall in love with with what we know, right? So, like when you work for a company and you and you get the stock, you kind of fall in love with it a little bit, right? Because you know the company, you 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 have this idea that nothing bad could happen to this company because you know so much about it, which obviously is not true because anything could happen at any time, and you almost have to look at it from an outsider's perspective, right? If somebody came in and had a whole bunch of their, you know, net worth and their income and everything tied up in this one entity, you know, your advice would probably be don't put your, all your eggs in one basket, right? Free up a little bit of it, diversify it, buy some other stuff that that, you know, might not go down if something happens to that company. And all you have to do is look back through history, right? And, you know, all the people that work for GE or work for, you know, Enron or work for British Petroleum before they blew a hole in the Gulf of Mexico a few years ago. I mean, there's all these examples of good, solid companies that treated investors really, really well for a long time. And it, if you missed getting out at the at the right before the turn, you got hurt pretty badly. And that would only have been made worse if you also worked there and depended on them for your paycheck. So, you know, to, to me, it does make a ton of sense that as these things start to best, you kind of free up a little bit of it and, you know, move that money around and, and diversify Right. And another aspect for clients that potentially have both RSUs and stock options, as Mike said, RSUs kind of just happen, right? It goes into your wages. You don't really have an option. When you have RSUs and stock options, the stock options, you do have an option to exercise that. And, and we could be a, you know, a huge benefit in terms of smoothing out your income. So if you have options that are going to expire, but you see an opportunity that, okay, let's wait and push it into the following tax year because, you know, it'll, you might not if, if you if you exercised it this year and you had certain RSUs that vested you know that vested it might push into a larger tax bracket whereas if you you pushed out your options into the following year you could kind of smooth out your income and pay less tax on it so right I mean long story short the 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 moral here is no matter you know if you have RSUs options both you have to do tax planning that year as much as it pains everybody to do and you know people just wanted keep taxes to that couple day period in, in April, but you really have to do tax planning because otherwise you're going to get this giant bill at the end of the year that you aren't expecting. So definitely talk to your CPA or your financial advisor and, and get a plan in place so you can either set aside some money, like we talked about earlier, potentially pay estimates. So there's no surprise at the end of the year and you're kind of left saying, well, well, I already spent that money. I don't have any money for the tax bill now. So and to your point, I mean, anytime you're you invest, that's always a good idea, right? Is you know the the key is not necessarily maximizing just rate of return; it's maximizing after tax rate of return. And people kind of forget that taxes can take a huge bite out of that return if you're not careful, and if you sell something at the wrong time or bring it into the wrong year or whatever it is. So it it, it makes total sense to do do some tax planning and kind of project things out and see where you might where you might fall. And just one one quick disclaimer before we before we wrap things up. The, the options we've been talking about are, are what's called non-qualified stock options. So there's a couple of different types. There's non-qualified and there's incentive. We don't see incentive stock options all that much anymore, so we haven't really touched too much on it. The tax implications are slightly different, but just in order to keep it a little more streamlined, we've been talking about non-qualified stock options. Right. Those are the kind of the popular ones today. So, Matt, you said, go, you know, go talk to your CPA or your financial advisor. Well, why don't you just come to Sachetta Callahan? I mean, we, 
That's what we do here. Nice plug. That was was so smooth. I love it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, George is kind of kidding, but at the same time, if if you are somebody who has this complicated tax situation and, and and I guess complicated portfolio situation, definitely talk to somebody. Try not, you know, we all have to admit when we're not great at things and we do this type of stuff day in and day out. So we could certainly help you with it if you're not comfortable uh, navigating it on your own. Other than that, do do you guys have any, I mean, we really kind of scratched the surface here and there's some more complicated things as we alluded to, but that's sort of the, the long and short of it. Do you guys have anything else before we wrap up? Nope. Good. All right. Well, we uh, appreciate again you listening, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you again on the next one. Take care. Financers is produced and edited by Sachetta and Callahan LLC. All disclosures are posted to our website at sachetta.com forward slash financers. S-A-C-H-E-T-T-A dot com forward slash F-I-N-E-A-N-S-W-E-R-S. Thanks for listening.